The Lord calls us to worship this morning from the book of Psalms, chapter 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are His also. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands form the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Amen. together and pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you and raise up thanks to you as the God who created all things and by whom we are gathered together today as your church to worship you, to be together gathered by your spirit that we might offer up to you an acceptable sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us, each one, as we worship you today, as we sing praises to you, as we read your word as we fellowship with one another, may we have a sense of being in the presence of the living God. And Lord, I pray that you would be with us by your spirit, that we would also know that we have been in your presence, that you would help us in our weakness and in our frailty, that we would believe the gospel, that we would receive it by faith. And as we come to your table later, Lord, may we feast upon Christ as he is offered to us in the meal. And Lord, we join our hearts together as your people now, as one voice, praying the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying out loud, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning for our confession of faith, we're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed. It's on page 845 in the green hymnal in front of you if you'd like to read from there. I'm going to begin, since this is a confession of faith, I'm going to begin by asking you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, 
and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear these words of assurance from the book of Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Amen. Let's continue to worship now, singing in our hymnals number 226, As With Gladness Men of Old. reading, we're going to be reading from page 826, and we're going to be reading together out loud Psalm 111, page 826. (laughs) 
Psalm 111. I'll begin with the light portion. Please respond out loud together with the bold. Praise the Lord. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever, done in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. Amen. I'm going to make a slight change in our order, and it could cause all manner of problems, I understand. (laughs) But I'm going to make a slight change in our order and do our offertory now, if it's all right. We're going to sing together uh, hymn number 427, Amidst Us Our Beloved Stands. So we're going to do our offering now, uh, not later in the service, and we're going to sing together hymn number 427 while you're seated. Number 427.
us pray. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for your blessings that you have poured out on our church family. As we look backwards into last year, there were ways upon ways that you have been faithful to us. And so now, looking to a new year, we dedicate to you our tithes and our offerings as statements of faith that we believe you will be the good and faithful Heavenly Father you have been, providing for us and providing for your church. And we give now cheerfully, Lord, and as we sang those words just now, Lord, we pray that you would give each person here a view of our Savior, the glorious Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. My apologies to our, our deacons and others who, who stood. I changed the order there, men, and caused some confusion. I apologize. For our pastoral prayer time this morning, I wanted to pray for one another and also for our country. The scriptures are clear that we are to pray for those who are in leadership over us. And so I want to pray for our leadership in the country um, that we live in and for the, the countries that our missionaries live in that we would be able to, according to the Scriptures, uh, be at peace with all men and lead a quiet and godly life, pleasing to Him. Let's pray together. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You that we may call upon You as our Heavenly Father, and that You tell us, according to Your Word, because of the merits of Jesus Christ, that You call us sons and daughters, that we belong to You. And we raise up our hearts and our petitions to You now, that You would hear us as we pray as as one church family. Lord, we pray for those in our midst who are suffering under the the weight of trials and afflictions because of physical difficulties and health issues, things that some are short and only have only existed for a while, but others have been going through significant trials for amounts of time that are longer than most. And we pray for your grace and for your mercy to sustain us. Lord, we ask that you would give each family peace as they go through trials, that they would have a sense of your presence and that that would be what calms them. Not an answer that a doctor may give or someone else, but knowing that their Savior abides with them and is walking through the deep valley with them. Lord, we also pray in obedience to your word, lifting up those who are in authority over us in this country, in the United States, and for the countries that our missionaries are serving in. Lord, we pray that you would be gracious to your people that you would put over us leaders who love you and want to serve you. We pray for our president, our vice president, for all of our elected officials, that you would cause them to serve in righteousness and justice, that you would even move in their heart by your spirit, that they would serve you in everything that they do. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be able to lead a quiet and peaceable life serving you. But Lord, we pray for grace, knowing that that may not be what you have for us now. And so we pray for sustaining grace that even if we live in the midst of hostility and those who would say that those who belong to Jesus are offensive or even enemies of the state, Lord, we pray that you would help us to have courage, that we would serve you without fear. Lord, we pray for those who are our missionaries, who serve in other lands and don't enjoy some of the conveniences that we have here. Lord, we pray that you would be gracious to them And as governments change from one leadership group to another, we pray for peace for them, that the word of the gospel would go forth. We pray, Lord, that you would give them all joy and hope in serving you. And we pray for those that they are serving, lost souls who have not heard the name of Jesus, 
We pray that you would make the way clear, Lord, that they would hear the gospel and rejoice in believing. And we pray all of these things in faith, in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to invite you to open your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. Our sermon is entitled, The Lord's Supper. Luke, chapter 22. We're going to be reading verses 7 through 30. Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 7. This is the word of the Lord. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go, and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city... A man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house that he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large, unfurnished room, upper room, and there make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread giving and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table, and truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to question among themselves, which of them it was who would do this thing. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater He who sits at the table, or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed upon me a kingdom. And that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel." The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Today's sermon is entitled, The Lord's Supper. We're celebrating on this first Sunday of the year, this first day of the year, 2023, the sacrament Jesus gave to His church. May the Lord bless each of us today, that we would be nourished by God's word, and also at the table of His grace in just a few moments. Each Sunday, we are going to celebrate every other month, As normal this year, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. 
As you think about that Sunday, as you mark the day, maybe it's another day on the calendar. Okay, not this month, but next month. It's coming. But as we do so this year, I want to look at a couple aspects each Sunday that we celebrate this sacrament. A couple aspects of God's blessings to us in it. As we consider this passage in Luke 22 and the means of grace that God gives us in this sacrament and in His Word, I hope for you and for me we can answer these questions confidently from the Scriptures. And here are a few questions. Why are we doing this? What happens in this meal? And what is the nature of its benefits for God's people? Are we simply doing it because it's the every other month and now it's our turn to do it again? Or are there some clues in the Scriptures? Is there a reason why Jesus would want us to do it? And is there a benefit to us in the meal? Jesus answers the why question very clearly in verse 19 when He told the disciples, Do this in remembrance of Me. So that settles it. Jesus commanded it. So therefore, we do it. We share in this meal together. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, that every time we share this meal, that each time we come to the table of the Lord's grace, we are, as a church family, to proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. We're to be reminded that this world is not our home and that the people around us, if they do not know the Lord, they are to hear the gospel because we're to share it with them. It doesn't say that the preacher is to preach a message every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. It says we are to proclaim the church is to proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. Having the Lord's Supper is a reminder. Share the gospel with your neighbor, with your friends, with people that you just happen to run into. Share the gospel so that lost souls will be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. So briefly this morning, I want to think about the Lord's Supper, and we're only going to go through a few things. It's not possible to cover every aspect of the Lord's Supper in the time that we have. But I want to look at a few things that we might encourage our hearts through God's Word, that we might look to Christ, and so we would come having prepared that we may feast upon Jesus as He's offered to us in this meal. So number one, the Lord's Supper, it proclaims God's provision to us. The room and the lamb were already prepared in Luke 22. Jesus goes through this scene, and it's part of the drama of the scene, but it's not just some motions that He goes through. He, didn't, he wasn't trying to draw out questions from the disciples. He had already prepared the room because He had come as the Passover lamb, the one who would be sacrificed for the sake of His people. It says in verse 13 that they went and found it just as He had said to them. He asked them the question not to go find a room, but to go to the room that He had already prepared. God moves first towards His people. This is a principle in the Scriptures. And as we come to this meal, we should be reminded that He, the Lord Jesus, is the host. Many of you hosted people over the last few weeks. As you think about Thanksgiving and Christmas and maybe even today, New Year's, as you think about this new year, you've hosted a meal. You know what it means to prepare to have a table ready. That's what Jesus has done for us in this meal. He is the host. I'm not the host. The elders aren't the host. The Bible says we are simply the servants of God, bringing to you the blessings of God in the bread and in the cup. But it is His table. He has prepared it. He has laid it before you that you would be nourished by it. So as you think about this meal, 
as you think about its benefits to you. The benefits of the meal are not in anything that you could look in yourself and find. They're not found in us. We're called to look outside of ourselves to Christ, to the signs of the bread and the cup. And as you hold them and see them and taste them, you are to be reminded of what the Lord Jesus did and what he said, what they represent and how they speak to us. And to remember his sacrifice for us on the cross. Sinclair Ferguson says, it's not that we should sit here in just a few moments and close our eyes and try to think and remember what death on the cross was like for Jesus. The Lord's Supper by faith will cause you to remember. It is a means of grace where God reminds you that he is with you. It's a remembrance of what Jesus did for you, yes. But you don't have to sit and try and work up faith. But as we behold the signs of the bread and the cup, Faith is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit and we receive them as the gifts that Jesus has intended for them to be for his people. We are quickened to see and desire and believe and are spiritually fed by them. They signify Jesus being for us all the nourishment that we could ever need. It's why Jesus said in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life and I am the one who gives living water. He was saying, you find in me everything that your heart longs for. All that you desire to be fed upon is in me. It is not outside. It's why Jesus could say, man does not live by bread alone. Not simply by a loaf of bread or a piece of bread. But by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. Do you have a desire today, dear believer, to feed upon the word of God? To read it? To consume it as if it were the very sustenance that keeps you going. Point number two. The Lord's Supper points us to the cross. In verse 15 Jesus said, I have desired greatly with a great desire to share this meal with you before I suffer. Jesus knew full well what this meal meant in the timeline of redemption. The entire horrific ordeal that he was about to undergo was something that was on his mind. It's why he called it in the Garden of Gethsemane, a cup that he was about to drink in Luke 22, verse 22. He knew that this meal was one step further along the path of going to the cross. The bread represents his body that would be brutally broken. He says in verse 19, this is my body, which is given for you. And they may have scratched their heads and wondered, well, actually, Jesus, it's a piece of bread you're giving us. And then when he took the cup and he poured wine into it and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. They could have wondered and said, but it's a cup of wine, Jesus. That's not your blood. We prepared the meal after all. Remember, you've asked us to go get it. And so they could have been scratching their head and maybe you are scratching your head. What is this? These are visible, tangible and edible signs. They're a sign in the Bible means it's not the thing that signified, but it points to a richer and fuller reality in something else. That just as you can eat bread and drink and be sustained in your earthly life, Jesus is saying you must feed upon me. To be sustained in your spiritual life. There is no true spiritual life apart from me. The benefits of this meal are for those who apprehend with faith. That our sin required nothing less than the death of the son of God on the cross. 
to secure our forgiveness, to satisfy the wrath and justice of a holy God, and that only Jesus could be the acceptable sacrifice in our place. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul speaks about what this means. That Jesus draws close to you in this very meal. He draws close to you, expressing His desire and the lengths to which He will go to have communion with you. The lengths of which He has already gone when He went to the cross and died. He reminds you of your sin and His sacrifice so that you would exalt in His glorious work on the cross to save you, to save me, sinners. It's not those who clean themselves up that Jesus came to, but those who come to say, I can't, you must do it. Isn't that what we sing in Rock of Ages? Foul I too the fountain fly, wash me Savior or I die. That's what we sing. We sing unless you cleanse me, I can't. If you leave me alone, I am left in my sin. This meal points us to Jesus. It points us to the cross and to His sacrifice. I want to turn over to that passage in 1 Corinthians. Just read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. They say, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. There's not a different one for you and a different one for me. You can't come to Jesus however you would like. Jesus says these are the terms. And those who come into my kingdom receive them joyfully and with faith. Those are His requirements, not ours. And lastly... The Lord's Supper anticipates future glory. It's a sign, I said a moment ago. This meal is a sign that points us to a greater reality. Jesus said, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. In Luke 22, verse 16, we just read it. The ironic thing about this meal before us is that we would come to it and go away wondering how such a small meal could truly satisfy anyone. How many of you thought we're having communion? I'm just not going to prepare lunch today. I bet not one of you thought that. And I bet some some men and maybe some children in this room are counting on it. That maybe mom or my wife is preparing a meal after church. But really, Jesus, one small bite of bread and barely a swallow of some juice. That's to sustain me. That's a meal. That's not enough to get hungry on, Jesus. There is another meal coming, Jesus said, when He said, I won't do this meal again until I share it with you in glory. He's anticipating another meal. This one is only a preparation, but that one is glorification. Revelation chapter 19. I just want to read a few verses to you. Revelation chapter 19, verses 6-9. through And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. 
Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. That's you, dear people of God. You are the ones who will be robed in white, welcomed to the table of the living God. The Lamb who prepared the meal is the host who welcomes you to it and says, Come here, feed upon me now. But remember, this is not all there is. There is a meal coming at which you will sit down in robes of white and I will enjoy it with you. And I have not enjoyed it since I shared it that day before I died. The communion of the saints, lastly. We confess this this morning. We confess in the Apostles' Creed that the communion of the saints is the true unity won by Christ on the cross. And He applied it to His church by His Spirit. And we pray for it, don't we? We pray for the blessed communion of the saints. For the unity of brothers and sisters together. It's a special means of grace that God gives to His people. He says, I'm not going to do this again until I do it with all of you. He told him in verse 15, I have desired with a great desire to share this meal with all of you. It wasn't an individualistic thing, though they were all as individuals sitting around their table with him. But he said, I want to do this with you. You're my people. I want to share this meal in fellowship with you. May this year for us as a church family, Be a year of seeing and beholding the risen Christ together as a church. Not comparing one to another. Not in gossip or complaining or I'm good on my own. I don't actually need you. Me and Jesus, we're fine. But God, please redeem. It's a prayer. God, please redeem my view of your church. And may I see as if even in a glass dimly the beauty of the bride of Christ. And may I love my brothers and sisters by your grace. It will cost you something. It will cost you something to love your brothers and sisters. And maybe one of the first things it will cost you is your pride. Maybe. But Jesus died that we would lay our own lives down for one another. In this body, this representation of the church, Here at Lebanon, in this body, should be the greatest earthly enjoyment of love and accepting one another because He has accepted us. When the disciples came back after they had cast out demons, what did Jesus say to them? He said, marvel not, glory not, that they are in subjection to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He didn't say your name, your names, you together, the body of Christ, the church. Jesus died on the cross to make us one. And we will be adorned together as the bride of Christ. This is some of what this meal represents this morning. As we come to the table of the Lord's grace, may we feed upon him in the bread and the wine and remember what they point to. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank You for the richness of it, that even today we have only scratched but a part of the surface of all that You have given us in it. Lord, I pray that You would help us now as we come to this meal to come so humbly as those who know that we are sinners, beggars coming for bread, to Him who says, I am the bread of life. May we feed upon You. May You build Your church. And may You help us 
to live this life according to grace by faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Having done our offering, I'm going to ask that uh, the men who are helping with the Lord's Supper this morning please come forward as we uh, prepare to partake together. I'm going to share the words of institution from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning, but I'm going to do so so a little more verbally and a little less read uh, as we come to the table of the Lord's grace. It says here in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord Jesus that which I also delivered to you. This is not Paul's message. This is the message of the Lord Jesus that he gave to the church. In 1 Corinthians, Paul was trying to correct things that had gone very badly wrong in the church. People were coming to this meal, and instead of waiting on others to maybe have their turn first, people were going ahead of one another and going back for seconds, and other people hadn't even eaten. And so he's trying to set back a joint that had come out of place terribly so that the church would love one another and function well. It's interesting, as we think about the church and about the Scriptures, that so much would be written about learning how to love one another the right way. Unfortunately, it's just not something that we do naturally. We need God's grace to do it. So it says that on the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, He took the bread in their scene and He broke it. And He said, This is My body, which is broken for you. Take and eat it in remembrance of Me. In the same manner, He also took the cup after supper and He said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. There is something new and different about what I'm doing. It's not the same. He's saying, this cup, as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed once and for all. These are the gifts of God. Hallelujah. They're meant for us to rejoice and to be in His presence with great joy. But He also says in 1 Corinthians, a passage that I want to read just briefly. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man or a woman examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you. And many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Here in this warning, even the blessedness of the gospel, even the chastening of the Lord is to bring you back to Him. We are the enemies of God. Apart from His grace, we want nothing to do with Him. If you participate in this table by faith, you do so as a sinner, as as a beggar needing bread. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest he come together in judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. So I want to spend a few moments now 
in silent confession before the Lord. And just remind you what I read uh, from Sinclair Ferguson. This time of confession before the Lord is not meant for us to sit and try to work up a feeling, try to think of, I need to have faith, but really taking a few moments in the Lord's presence, confessing to Him silently your need for Him, your desire to come close to Him in this meal, that He would come close to you. And in a moment, I'll pray for us. Let's close our eyes. Father, we confess that we have sinned in many ways, in thought and word and deed. In fact, our sins are not just a list of things that we have done, but it is a nature that is in us, that is opposed to you. And Lord, even those of us who believe in you, we know that sin is not eradicated from us, that we still struggle with it in many ways. We confess that to you now. And Lord, we cry out to you as the one who prepared this meal, we pray, Lord, that you would set apart these elements of bread and the cup, that they might be for our spiritual nourishment, that we would rejoice by faith, that you do minister to us and draw close to us in this meal, that you remind us that the things that we eat and drink in this world are not all that sustain us, and that one day we will celebrate this meal with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. This meal is for those who cling to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. But it is a particular meal. It is an invitation-only type of meal. So if you don't know the Lord Jesus by faith, if you are not a member of a Bible-believing church that takes the Gospel seriously, you ought not take part in this meal. If you are resisting the Lord in some way, would say, but I am a believer, but you are walking in unrepentant sin before the Lord, and you know it this morning, and your conscience tells you that, you ought not participate in this meal today, but should deal with that honestly with the Lord. Our elders would love to pray with you and work through whatever that is, that there might be healing and rejoicing, if that's you. If you are having an issue between you and another member of the community, then you ought not participate in this meal if you haven't done everything that you can to make things right. If you have, then this meal is for you. It's not for the perfect. If your children have not made profession of faith, then they ought to keep their hands to their sides. But if they have, then participate in this meal. It's not for the perfect. It's for those who run to Jesus and cling to Him by faith. These are the gifts of God. Rejoice in them. He has given them to us. Let me pray just briefly. Father, I pray that You would bless now the, the receiving and the partaking of this meal. We would be nourished by it by your grace, in the bread and in the cup. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink you all of it in remembrance of me.
says that after they had enjoyed the meal together, as this was celebrated in the New Testament, they sang together a song. So after the table is covered, we're going to be singing together hymn number 420, At the Lamb's High Feast We Sing. Let's stand together as we sing number 420. benediction of our Lord. Now the God who is mighty, the Lamb who is worthy, and the Spirit who is near each one of us, fortify you to live faithfully in these days and all the days until Jesus comes again. Amen.